Good morning. So then take a moment to reflect on God's word from 1 Peter, the fifth chapter, and hear these words. It says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adverse adversary, <laughs> the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Amen. This uh, verse uh, gets a little bit at one of the issues that uh, sort of underlies our sin and our brokenness, and that's the issue of pride and, and being able to experience some level of humility in relationship to one another and with God. And, and we begin this sermon series um, at the beginning of Lent, and, and for Sundays and Wednesdays, we're going to be stepping through the different sins that are traditionally known as the seven sins, and God's sort of antidote for them. And so if you don't come on Wednesdays and you miss one of your favorite sins, uh, you can listen online and uh, learn how to you know, grow from there, I guess. Um, but today, we're going to be focusing on the sin of pride. And this sin really sort of is the seedbed in many ways for a lot of the other sins, a lot of the other challenges that we have as believers. And pride is a self-focus. It's turning inward on oneself. And this can look like a number of things. There's the traditional understanding of what pride is. Pride is the uh, bravado, the, the, the sense of you're you know, self-made, you're done it yourself. And you, when you encounter these kinds of people, like you can spot it, you're like, that guy is really prideful. And, uh, and you know what you're encountering. But then there's a, the other side of pride, which we don't see as often, but both are rooted in the same sense of self that you want to protect. And that is the pride of the person who uh, will throw themselves under the bus before somebody else does it for them. And so they'll maybe put themselves down or downplay things in a certain way. And you might think, well, that's not pride, or you might not catch it as pride, but the, the motivation behind it is the same. And that is a fear of being seen in a way that you don't want to be seen. And so you go to great lengths either to convince people that you are something by projecting yourself out there or out of fear of being found out as a fraud or, or whatever, you sort of have this false humility you push yourself down and under as a defensive move um, but it's all rooted in the same sin of pride it's that internal focus on yourself uh, there's this allegory that helps sort of illustrate what pride does and how it can degrade community and the relationship with god um, there's a story, and there's a video I'll show you that tells the story a little bit too, but uh, a man dies and he goes into the afterlife and there's two doors, one representing paradise and one uh, suffering and eternal loss. And, and he opens up the door of suffering and he sees people in there and the surrounded, uh, surrounded this bowl of soup and they have really long spoons, and they can't quite get the spoon to their mouth because they're so much longer. 
and they look uh, hungry and tired and worn down and angry because they're starving to death, unable to feed themselves. And he opens up the other door and takes a peek in, and in this door he notices that everyone's full of life and celebrating and joyous and, and encouraging, and they just look so happy, but he notices they have the same long spoons and the same single bowl of soup in the middle. But instead of them struggling to feed themselves, he sees them feeding each other, and that brings them joy and peace. illustration gets a kind of that heart of pride like if you're focused on yourself not only can you not take care of others but you also are neglected in that and saint augustine uh, speaks about this sort of over focus on oneself he said pride made the soul desert god to whom it should cling as the source of life and imagine itself instead as the source of its own life that is, instead of seeing yourself in the community and trying to bring life to one another and seeing God as the provider of life, you begin to actually think that you have to do things yourself or you should be capable of doing it yourself, which is pride. And so what people do is they say those phrases, like, I'm a self-made man. I, I worked really hard to get where I am today, and, and uh, you know, I did this. I deserve this. I've worked hard, and therefore I should get X, Y, or Z. And what they failed to see in that pride is how others supported them along the way and how God blessed them along the way. And so they get lost in their own prideful desire. It's that inward versus outward face. And when you're turned in on yourself and you're worried about how others perceive you, it can lead to a lot of problems because pride then destroys your ability to connect with other people. Because on some level, you have to keep yourself at arm's length from others so that you don't get hurt or keep yourself at arm's length from God so he doesn't see you as you truly are. And so you've heard the saying, pride is not thinking too much of myself, but pride is thinking of myself too much. Or, or humility is not thinking too little of yourself, but humility is thinking of yourself less. See, we're not talking about confidence. You can be confident in what you do, and you can feel affirmed in the gifts God has given you, but the subtle shift is when it's not just confidently going forward as God has led you, it's when you are worried and concerned about how other people perceive you and your coming and your going. 
And when this kind of pride takes hold, you become incredibly lonely. And you become incredibly lonely because you know something that others don't know or don't see. I'll put it this way. Pride is about projection. It's about self-protection. And so you can have a room full of people coming together in church and worship, and, and you can look and you can say, well, these people have faith, these people have their life together, and, 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 and that's how we behave. But you can sit in this room, and you're thinking that as you look at everyone around you, and you can feel incredibly alone because you maybe have doubts, you maybe are uncertain, but it's not safe to express that because of your pride. What would happen if people see me as I am? You can project that you have your family life all together. You have a great marriage, your kids are good, and you want everyone to see that. And so in your pride, that's what you project. I mean, in a way, social media is like, just thinking about this is sort of, the, uh, the, the means by which we protect ourselves, we tell narratives to people, either trying to convince them or maybe in some cases ourselves that everything's good, and yet in your pride, uh, maybe there's an affair going on, or maybe your kids aren't as good as you hope people see them to be. And because you don't want people to see this, you get really lonely because the mask you wear does maybe convince everyone in the room that you're something, but inside, you know the truth. You know what other people don't know. So you find yourself isolated and alone, separated from each other and from God. So what's the solution to this? What's the, what's the key to really start to deconstruct the pride in our life? Because it's really deep, and it leads to so many other things. Well, the answer is in what Christ says in the Beatitudes. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message translation, I like the way he translates this text. He says, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. That is, unfortunately, for many of us, we only take off the mask when our life falls apart and we can't keep it together anymore. So being poor in spirit is no longer being so prideful as to keep those toxic things bottled up within. I mean, Paul addresses this with the Romans church and the church in Rome, and, and you can see how this plays out a little bit. He says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to the desires of their heart, the sinful desires of their heart. 
That is, in their pride, they, they thought they had it together, they figured it out, they were going to do it a different way than what God wanted them to do because they're self-made men, they knew the solution, and God said, fine, I'll, I'll hand you over to your own sinful desires and we'll see how that works out for you, and it doesn't go well. And what we learn over and over and over again in Scripture, and unfortunately, I've learned it in my own life, and I've seen it in the lives of others, God may remove our pride through drastic means by handing us over to the other six sins that we'll be talking about. Thomas Aquinas put it this way. He said, in order to overcome their pride, God punishes certain men by allowing them to fall into the sins of the flesh, which, though they be less grievous, are more evidently shameful. Meaning the other sins may not be as bad, but they bring more shame. Because pride wants to protect you from feeling that shame. And when that mask finally comes off, there's nowhere else to go. So coming to the end of your rope drives us into the presence of God. This is how something like Al-Anon AA is set up, right? You... You have to acknowledge that there's a higher power. You have to acknowledge there's something beside yourself that can work in this world, and you have to move towards it. And then you have to take a fearless and moral inventory of your failings and go and reconcile them against the people that you've harmed. This is removing the mask and looking closely at what's broken inside of you and going towards it. The wheels have to come off. The pride has to go away. You have to be truly seen. But that's hard because we don't want people to see us. And we certainly don't want God to see us. God has a way of holding up a mirror and really showing us the darkness in our hearts. But I can tell you with certainty from some of the counseling that I've done outside of the church and some conversations I've had with people inside the church and reflecting on my own life, Everyone is in the same boat. We're all kind of terrible people. <laughs> we make mistakes. We do things that hurt other people. We find ourselves in the wrong. And we all, all down the line, try to pretend that we're not like that. But there's no sin unique to anyone in this room. You're not unique. You're not special. And if that's hard to hear, that's because you have pride. <laughs> we all suffer from the same malady. And we all need the same solution. But unfortunately, for many of us, our life has to fall apart for a brief moment so that we are willing to go to God to have him put it back together. It doesn't have to be that way. It's just how pride works. And so some of the other sins sort of lead us to our own end. Because we keep secrets, we pretend to be something we're not, we fail to come to each other in community to support 
encourage and point one another to Christ. To live in pride is an incredibly lonely place to be. You know, back in Genesis, God says it's not good for man to be alone, and, and we're not. That's the thing, we're not. No one in here is better than anyone else in this way. But we want to pretend that we are. <laughs> I mean, I'm usually better than Anthony, but he sins just as much as I do, or more, I don't know. But it's true. Like, we don't, like, I want to be special, but I'm not. My sin's not worse. And that's, that's pride, actually. When you think your sins are so much worse than everyone else's, you have to keep it a secret. Whatever. So God comes to us. This is what he does. And the crazy thing is God actually knows how, how messed up we are in the way we think about this and how self-protective we are in the midst of all this. And yet he still comes fully knowing this. And what does he do? He dies for you, for me, on the cross, so that you're not alone. He takes on suffering and shame and all the guilt and all the pain and even the pride in our lives and he takes it on himself on the cross so that we can be part of the kingdom of heaven. He shows us what being poor in spirit ultimately looks like and then invites us to be at home with him. So you're not alone. We have each other, the most dysfunctional family, you can be a part of the church, united in Christ, who restores, renews, and forgives, and continually calls us out of our pride into something greater. And so we hear his call, and we pray that we are poor in spirit, because in that, we have the kingdom of God. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.